Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. My name is JJ Jackson. It's so exciting to have you here with us on our program today. Thank you for missing making Locked On Blue Devils your first listen each and every day. We love giving you the latest and greatest about the world of Duke athletics. On today's show, Josh Cox from Duke Football Talks Section 17 podcast is back with me. Duke men's basketball, a thriller last night. They get a two-point victory, 71-69 over Clemson. We break it all down. We get ready for Louisville coming up on Saturday and a whole lot more here on the program. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. Make sure you subscribe and follow this podcast wherever you get them. Be sure to leave us a five-star rating and review. Without further ado, let me bring in Josh Cox from Duke Football Talks Section 17 podcast. Happy Wednesday to you, Josh. How are you? Hey, man, doing great. Doing great. I think you uh, you oversold that game that happened, though. You called it a thriller. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that Duke fans would necessarily call that game a thriller, but it did. Uh, it, it was close. It was very close. And, sure. and, and here's probably why I had that in my head, because these were legit thoughts I had last night going back and, and, and following along and, and watching the game because the Florida State game and Miami game recently weigh so heavy on me, Josh. It felt good despite, you know, the, the lousy play it stretches, and we'll get into that, that Duke, at the end of the day, walked away with a victory. That was the best part. That was probably the thrilling moment for me. Yeah, for sure. I mean, here's the deal. I will take a bad win over a good loss any day. And so, um, you know, we've, we've uh, whenever we come out on top, especially in games where we're not playing our best or where circumstances, you know, make things difficult for us, like last night's game was, you know, like, I agree with you. I'll take I'll take the win. I don't care if it's a two-point win or a 22-point win. I'll take the win. Without a doubt, Duke improves with the win last night. We saw a couple of uh, crazy games over the weekend as well uh, that Duke is very much so still in the fixture when it comes to the ACC standings. They're taking on Clemson. It is the second game in a row that Trevor Keels uh, was not in the lineup or not uh, able to be playing for Duke. Uh, Saturday's game versus Syracuse, you also were in attendance for that one. First game that Duke did not have Trevor Keels out there. Have you noticed anything different about the team, Josh? Well, I mean, you know, it depends on which which set of Duke fans you speak to. There's half the Duke fans that, that are glad, not that Keels is injured, but glad that we have to experiment around with lineups. It seems like Keels – was a minute eater um, because of his work on the defensive end, I, I yeah. believe. Um, but he also was a high volume shot taker. And I think there's a part of the fan base that's glad that maybe those shots are getting redistributed amongst other guys uh, for a couple of games. But then there's the other side. Um, and I don't know where I land in this, but you know, that we're missing that, that, uh, that bull, you know what I mean? That defensive guy, that guy that's not afraid to get in the way. Um, he's going to, he's going to cause some havoc and force, you know, two or three, four turnovers, um, in a game. And so, yeah, it was, it was definitely different. Now I will say with the Syracuse game, um, you know, Keels is, is if you, if you watch him, you're like, man, he's a great shooter. Uh, if you actually look at the numbers, I mean, he's only shooting, I believe 30% from three point uh, range of the season. So once again, just high volume and his percentages aren't great. So we didn't miss him per se in that Syracuse game because Joey Baker 
um, you know, what was uh, was ready to go, and we we shot the ball so well. Yeah, AJ Griffin shot the ball so well against Syracuse, um, and so we definitely noticed. I I believe last night we we felt uh, the 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 lack of a Trevor Kills in the lineup last night more so than Syracuse. 14 threes for Duke versus Syracuse, a 20-point victory, a game that was uh, the final score. Duke still won by 20, and yet it still isn't indicative of how much of a beatdown that was from Duke, which is a good problem to have. Yeah, Jim Beheim does a – I don't know what he was thinking there. We were up by 30-some, and we clear the bench with four minutes to go. I mean, Savarino's in the game right. with four minutes to go. With three minutes to go, he's he's got Worthington – in the game and, and he and Syracuse still has running their starters out there. And I think they just wanted to make it respectable. Um, but Hey, you know, that, that's probably just a little gamesmanship between two old friends that are coaching against each other for, you know, what could be the last time, uh, obviously the last season. So because later in the game, yeah, buddy Beheim came back in. You're right. They really did kind of want to clean up the score a little bit and uh, credit to Duke's defense. And then also we can say it was a, a bad day at the office for Syracuse, both Joe Girard and Buddy Beheim had terrible games. Uh, and uh, I'm going to give Duke's defense some credit for a good bit of that, but also understanding that uh, sometimes you're just going to have off nights, and Duke definitely benefited from that. Yeah, but I, I agree. I mean, we have, we have to, uh, to mention the defense because, uh, once again, and we're going to talk about him again for this game, so I, for this uh, last game, so I don't want to ruin this, but uh, Jeremy Roach played uh, Gerard. He really did a good job on him. Obviously, we switched, so you know he doesn't necessarily stay on him. But that was his assignment, and then the same for Wendell Moore on Buddy Beheim. Um, and so you know he, he did a he did a fantastic job on him. And then uh, Paulo um, wound up on the other Beheim brother and did a great job. So it, it was a really good defensive effort. Once again, I, you know when a guy misses a shot, it's like did he just miss the shot or was there? impact made by the defense you know you never really know for sure but uh but hey when they're missing it's it looks good for our defense for sure it, it absolutely does the, the percentages look great uh duke held their opponent to under 60 points which is always a really good mark to have in college basketball and they picked up a win over syracuse catching up here with josh cox from duke football talks section 17 podcast as we mentioned last night duke had a two-point victory over clemson a game that went all the way to the finish before the Blue Devils walked away victorious. While we're talking about that, we want to take a quick break here on Locked On Blue Devils. Hey, Duke fans, this is JJ Jackson with an incredible app for everyone who buys gas and needs to know about. It's Get Upside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code SCORE, S-C-O-R-E, and get a bonus 25 cents back per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents total in cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use your promo code SCORE, S-C-O-R-E, to get up to 50 cents a gallon cash back on your first tank. Some hundred people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back, and there's no catch. It goes directly to your bank account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card to Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use the promo code SCORE, S-C-O-R-E. Our show today is also brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. It is the new year. It's 2022, 
And that means you've got some New Year's resolutions likely. Maybe you want to get fit or eat healthier. You need to make sure you include Built Bar into your plan. Built Bar makes it so much easier to stick to that New Year's resolution. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, built.com, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order at built.com. Built Bar, a proud sponsor of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. Back on today's show with Josh Cox from Duke Football Talks, Section 17 podcast. A win last night for Duke. They win it 71-69 between these two teams. A game where neither team really broke away at any moment. The largest lead for Clemson was five points. That came in the first half of play. Duke's largest lead got up to seven uh, before Clemson had a bit of a comeback there in the second half. So a game that was uh, rather competitive and close throughout, and Duke made more plays down the stretch to win at 71-69. You mentioned Jeremy Roach a little bit earlier, Josh, with his play as of late, and he was one of the biggest players that Mike Krzyzewski was praising after the game last night. Well, if you just look at his numbers, uh, he played every minute of the game, yeah. played 40 minutes, and um, that's not been the case, um, you know, uh, or, or throughout the season. I mean, I love the fact that, I mean, look, he's got nine assists uh, looking for other players, and I can't say enough about how well Jeremy's playing. Um, my biggest gripe about Jeremy earlier in the season was that he would get in the lane with no plan with the ball. And there he catches himself in the lane, and then he's the smallest player on the court, and he's trying to finish at the rim. And it happens sometimes and looks wonderful, but the majority of the time, shot was not going in, shot was getting blocked, he was getting stripped, whatever it was. And they spoke about Nolan Smith working with him um, over the Christmas break um, about when you get in the lane, opening up your eyes, lifting up your head, and looking for your teammates. And, boy, has he done that. He has been incredible at that. Also, he's limiting his defensive mistakes. Um, he's staying on the court because, you know, that's that'll get you off the court quickly um, if, if you're a Duke player. Um, getting beat back door, falling asleep on defense, and Jeremy has improved radically um, in those areas. But what I thought was uh, maybe not most important but very important last night is Jeremy scored five points when we desperately needed a score. He hit, he hit a three-pointer from the corner, and then he had, he had a two-point jumper. Um, but he scored those five points down in crunch time when, man, we really needed a basket. And, yeah. uh, and he's shown that throughout this season. He's not afraid to take a big shot. Um, and, man, kudos to Jeremy Roach. I mean, a stat line, eight points, four rebounds, nine assists, 40 minutes of play, uh, only one turnover. Man, that is that is Tyus Jones level, mm-hmm. nine assists, one turnover. And so, yeah, Jeremy Roach was, was uh, possibly the most important player on the court last night. So talking about Jeremy Roach, 40 minutes last night, Josh, as you just said, if you go back and look through his basketball reference game logs, he'd never done that before in his career. 38 minutes was his previous career high, so excellent for him to be out there the entire time, really controlling the game. He had the corner three-pointer late in the second half that put Duke in front, and then Clemson hits a three. Uh, They get up by two, and Jeremy Roach needs to make a play, makes an elbow jumper. That was awesome to watch and see right there. The final possession, though, with Duke having the basketball with 38 seconds to go, we've seen this, as I said, at the very start of the podcast, had some heartbreaking losses, 
to Clemson and Miami and final possessions not going Duke's way. Wanting to get the ball to P5, your best player out there. And Jeremy Roach did a really nice job staying settled, waited until the perfect time and delivered a good bounce pass underneath for Paulo to go to work. What a great game it was from Jeremy Roach. Yes, certainly. And uh, kudos to him for that entry pass. And I know that sounds crazy, um, but in this day and age, if you watch basketball, yeah. the art of the entry pass uh, is is sometimes lost on these guys. And so that and was great. Who ever drew that play up? Knows, when Clemson knows the ball's likely going to Paulo, like it yep. makes it even more impressive. Yeah, absolutely it does. It does. And so the whoever drew the play up in that timeout, it was a great play. It does show us that the Duke coaching staff is able to draw up a play to get Paulo Bancaro the ball where he can score. And we'd like to see that more uh, in just regular gameplay. But Paulo then gets the ball and does exactly what he does good when he gets the ball on the block, and that's bully ball straight to the basket. And you really, he's either going to be fouled or he's going to hit that shot. And so uh, kudos to the coaching staff, Jeremy, and Paulo, of course, uh, for making that uh, play happen. Jeremy Roach, eight points, nine assists. Paulo Bancaro had – 19 points, seven rebounds for the Duke Blue Devils. And then with that as well, let's talk about those first-half contributions that Duke got from Bates Jones and and Joey Baker. Joey finishes three of four from three-point range and 11 points, a big late runner. That was a great shot for for Joey. But, man, what Duke got out of Bates Jones there in the first half. Well, you know, Paulo gets into foul trouble. And when when Trevor Kills is not available – Usually that's when A.J. Griffin comes in the game and we go small. Uh, but A.J.'s already in the game. You yeah. know? And so uh, you've got to turn somewhere. And Bates Jones, and I, you know, talking to friends earlier in the season, I said, you know, I think Bates Jones will play a key role for us at some point in time. Someone's going to get injured or there's going to be foul trouble. Well, here's that combination of both. Keels out with an injury. Paulo Bencaro in foul trouble. Bates Jones doesn't only come in and, you know, hit the corner three, uh, which he has been – uh, proven, it's been proven he can hit, right? And he doesn't mind taking that corner three. But speaking of entry passes, I mean, he makes a nice entry pass to Mark over the top. Um, I'll say this, when Bates Jones is on the court, I understand his limitations athletically, but I am not concerned one bit. He makes good decisions with the ball. He passes the ball well. He shoots the ball well. I mean, defensively, honestly, obviously he's probably a liability compared to the other guys, Theo John, Mark Williams, and Paulo Bancaro. However, he holds his own. He's a, he holds his own smart player. So it was really cool to see that. I believe he played nine minutes, yep. uh, if I'm not mistaken. Nine and minutes. I, yeah, most of them, if not all of them, were all in the first half. Of the day. Uh, he may have come in for a brief stint in the second half. Um, but the nine solid minutes. Then Joey, man, I, if you look at the stat line, uh, he played – 18 minutes in this game. By the way, his fourth foul was phantom. That guy had no position. Joey did not hit him. Joey should have had 13 points, an even better night from the field. But, man, he came in and he lit it up. He hit hit three threes. His fourth three looked good as well. I thought that was going in. And then, like you mentioned, um, kind of the throwback, the pump fake, driving into the lane, the little hook, uh, Joey Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, there uh, at the end of the game. But here's my thing, okay? He hit the shot. That's obviously awesome. What I loved, he was willing to take that. Man, there were there were just over two minutes left in that game. Yeah. It was either a tie game or we were down by two. That was a really big shot. And yeah. Joey 
did not mind taking it, man. I'm, I'm so happy for that kid, man, uh, to be, a, to be in his final season. And, and once again, Duke fans, uh, need to show him the love that he deserves. And gutsy to take that shot, right? Because, uh, Duke fans want to see Joey Baker shoot the three ball. And so immediately when he puts the ball on the deck and starts to head towards the basket, you're not used to seeing that, but he did it so confidently it looked great, right? Because there's also a level of two minutes left in the game. I drive to the basket. I just throw one up there, and it's nowhere near the rim. Well, then you're being scrutinized for what in the world are you doing? You're supposed to be out there shooting. That's now two games in a row that Joey Baker has finished with 11 points, three of them coming off threes. We had the big runner in the second half uh, last night versus Clemson. And then Saturday, the second bucket was a big breakaway jam for Joey Baker. You know, people think that Joey is just a standstill shooter. Joey's athletic. Um, if you watch him in pregame warmups, if you're ever at a game and you're able to just kind of keep your eye on him, man, Joey's very he can throw it, throw it down um with ease, man. And and uh and so I think he has more to his game than he's ever really been able to show at Duke on a consistent basis. You know, honestly, because he can't stay on the floor long enough, uh, whether that's defensive lapses or just He's look, Joey Baker's played on some incredibly talented teams. And, you know, it's hard to it's hard to crack that lineup and that regular rotation for sure. But man, what a great what a game from Joey. What a game from Bates Jones. Once again, the majority of their contributions, though, in the first half. So we went in the first half tied. Right. So we go in the first half tied. We would not be going into that first half tied without the contributions of those two guys. And so with that being said, Joey Baker, uh, the big dunk versus Syracuse, six foot seven, right? Way bigger than you like to think because he spends so much time out there beyond the perimeter. But before our final break here, also last night, at, listed at six foot one, although that, that might be generous for our guy, Jeremy Roach. We already praised his elbow jumper late in the game, talked about the corner three-pointer. But Jeremy Roach had just his second career dunk for Duke. The seas parted. And he slammed it home. Yeah, I did not. I, I saw didn't that see it coming. <laughs> yeah, I saw it developing. And I'm like, okay, cool. He's going to take it, you know, and maybe whatever. I did not see that dunk coming. And, man, let me tell you something. That that energized uh, the crowd. Crowd seemed a little dead a little bit last night. That seemed to energize the crowd. And, man, I was happy for him. You're right. Man, I was another play in the first half. Another play in the first half that kind of got us to where we were going. But, yeah, I love to see that from Jeremy. It's really cool to see those shorter guys. When they get up and throw it down, man, it's just much more dynamic. It makes you and I jealous, right? Jealous that we don't have the leaping ability there. <laughs> Absolutely. I remember one time in high school, I hit, I smacked the backboard on a layup and thought that I had basically dunked. So, you know, <laughs> never forget that. <laughs> I love that. All right, let's take a break here. Bet Online would like to wish a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. It's a new year. And uh, we want to welcome you with a new sign-up bonus today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. All right, Josh Cox joining me here from Duke Football Talk's Section 17 podcast. Go check out their podcast. Leave it a five-star rating and review. It would mean a lot if you took the time 
to do that. As we continue to move forward and uh, begin to sort of wrap up today's show and look toward the future, coming up on Saturday, Duke goes back out on the road. They've got a noon tip-off taking on the Louisville Cardinals, who are in the midst of a uh, now coaching situation and a coaching change coming. Uh, We learned of this kind of later Tuesday, going into Wednesday now, Josh, as we're recording, there's certainly a whole lot of uncertainty there against this Louisville team that Duke has next on their schedule. Yeah, you know, um, I was a big fan of the Chris Mack hire at Louisville. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm not convinced that they've necess- that he's necessarily not brought, you know, success to that, to that team. It was a little surprising to see that come across uh, the news last night. And then, of course, it's 2022. So within 15 minutes, there's already tweets out there from reliable journalists with a list of possible yeah. placements for Chris Mack already, one of them being the current coach of the number one team in the nation, you know, like right. at the end of the day, I don't know. All I will tell you is um, teams react one of two ways to this. Uh, they either get behind the coach and they come out to play Saturday and they play above their heads in the Yum Center and that place is rocking and they try to win for their coach or he truly has lost that locker room. Everything is they're saying is true and they come out and roll over. So I don't know which one of those two teams will come out Saturday, but I believe that that's the typ- typically the way young adults, you know, 18 to 22 years old, when these, when these things start flying around, if they believe in their coach, they come out and they play their butts off. If he's lost the locker room, you're going to be able to tell it. The ESPN Basketball Power Index gives Duke a 77% chance to win this game. Of course, for Louisville, they're led in scoring by Noah Locke who is a Florida Gators transfer now playing in his first season there in the ACC with Louisville. So you're right. If you're the Cardinals, we can easily do that perspective and that sort of thing that you do want to play for your coach possibly, or maybe it's going to just completely fall apart and be disastrous. If you're the opposition, like, is there any messaging? Like, is there any point for Duke to address this at all? Or is it just more business as usual for the Blue Devils? I mean, I think it's business as usual for us. I mean, there's some there's some things we have to correct, um, no matter who we're playing Saturday. Yeah. So I don't care if it's Louisville Good point. or if the Carolina game was this Saturday. So a couple of the things that I'd like to point out that I think we have got to address as a team. Um, you know, last if you if you think about the the team stats in the Clemson game, we outshot them from two, we outshot them from three. We were eleven of thirteen from the foul line. They were zero of one from the foul line. Um, assists were virtually the same, 19 assists, 18 assists. We had more blocks than they did. Here's where we are losing ground. uh, Offensive rebounds for Clemson, 14. Offensive rebounds for Duke, three. We're giving up 14 offensive rebounds last night. Uh, That also, uh, we turned – they had nine steals to our four. Uh, We turned the ball over 12 times. They only turned the ball over eight times. They, in turn, have 15 fast-break points, uh, 16 points off of turnovers. So, at the end of the day, there's two things that I think need to be addressed. One of them is there's got to be – it's Duke, okay? We're sports science. We we have access to anything and everything. Right. There has to be an advanced analytic out there that shows the times that Mark Williams goes for a block, right? He got three or four of them last night. I'm not sure if all four of them – 
or his. I'm going to check that real quick. Uh, let's see if all four blocks, three of those blocks. So, so he goes for however many blocks in a game. I don't know how many he went for, but he connected it on three of them. They got 14 offensive rebounds. So the analytics team needs to figure out how many times Mark is going for a block, not getting it. And the opposing team is rebounding the ball and either put back dunk like we saw NC State game. We've seen it and, and throughout the throughout Florida State. We saw it Florida State. Um, those guys are getting those offensive rebounds and putting it back. We need to see are we gaining as much ground as we think we're gaining by going for every single block, right? So that's the first thing that's got to be addressed, I think, by the Duke analytics team. And then some adjustments need to be made. Uh, the second thing that I think needs to be addressed is we're not forcing turnovers. Um, since we've come back from the COVID break, I believe Mike Bolger on Twitter, give him credit for this. We were averaging 15 forced turnovers a game uh, leading up to that little COVID pause that we had. Coming back from the COVID pause, we're only forcing nine a game. And so that's six fewer turnovers a game. Um, so I just feel like we're not getting after it on defense. I mean, you're watching the same game I'm watching, JJ. These, it, It's kind of like the energy level's not quite back right. yet on defense. Um, and I think that's a character thing. That's just guys getting, making sure they, you know, they're, they're playing the game of basketball the right way. Uh, we can do it. I just don't think we are doing it. And so those two things to me, as we move into the Louisville game, we need to make sure that we are, if, if Mark is going to go for every block, then we have got to turn into the most uh, focused defensive rebounding other four guys that we possibly can putting a body on people and getting those rebounds. And then we've got to force turnovers. Yeah. I don't know that it's necessarily being contrarian, but let me take what you just said and kind of spin it another way to sort of look like it and bring it all together, right? If if Duke was playing more team defense together and at times it does feel like individual efforts being made, then maybe this isn't an issue that we're talking about at all because things are being more difficult. I would love to see the analytics numbers on that. I'm going for a block and I give up a rebound. Is it my fault because I did that or what? What I also want to know, because Mark Williams went for the block, the shot percentage goes down on the first shot, and the yep. guards made Mark – like Mark Williams isn't doing this away from the basket. This is only taking place when guards are getting beat off the dribble, and so then the blame gets point back to the Duke guards, right? And so, sure, at times you want to fault Mark Williams, but then it's also like, hey, keep your guy in front of you, and we don't need to be in this position. That's a great point. So that, that's where you get deep, deep into analytics, right? Yeah. You get deep into like what is truly causing this. But once again, we are a top 10 team in the country. We're the number one team in the ACC, uh, you know, as far as yeah. rankings are concerned. Um, if, if there's a team that has the resources to find out what truly is going on, we do. And I'd like to see us look into that. And I'd like to see us make adjustments. If you remember that 2010 national title team, the reason why that team won the national title that year is they decided to play conservative defense. They packed it in. They did not get out in passing lanes like crazy. Now, I'm not saying this team needs to do that, but I'm saying that team adjusted defensively. 2015, we adjusted. Justice Winslow turned into a free safety, basically on defense. We adjusted, and we won a national title. That's my question for the Duke coaching staff and for this team. What adjustment will we make defensively this year that could take us to that next level? I'm not the coach. I have no idea. Uh, I just would like to see us uh, improve in, in some specific area on defense that I think could take us back over the top. 
All right, so Duke gets set for Louisville coming up on Saturday on the road. Duke, Miami, and Florida State all 6-2 and two so far in league play. That's because uh, Duke still has to catch up with some postponement games in place right now. Miami on the road tonight versus Virginia Tech. Florida State on the road tonight taking on Georgia Tech. So we'll see how those things uh, shape out. Notre Dame also at 5-2. and two. They take on NC State at home for the Fighting Irish. So, again, looking forward to this weekend of basketball. Looking forward to seeing what's coming for Duke because uh, I want to remind everybody, Josh, yourself as well, if you weren't thinking about it ahead, Duke's got the game on Saturday versus Louisville and then a super quick turnaround taking on Notre Dame on Monday. Going to be a lot of basketball for us coming up this weekend. Yeah, there will. And then, of course, we have the Saturday, the following Saturday, uh, we're in Chapel Hill. Yep. So we have three games in one week uh, coming up. And so, hey, you know what, though? This is why you come to Duke. This is why you come play big-time D1 basketball. Um, and so, you know, these three games are a big stretch for us. If we could come out of these three games 3-0, and man, that would be that would mean a whole lot as we move in uh, to, to the middle of February as we're really playing, you know, the most important basketball of the season. Um, and so I, I think, you know, Coach K and Mike Bray obviously have that long connection uh, there with Mike Bray being a former assistant at Duke. Uh, Notre Dame is not the most talented team in the world, but I can tell you this, they're going to be a heck of a, a well-coached team. And Mike yep. Bray, Mike Bray's good at what he does. I love Mike Bray. I love the gamesmanship a lot of times that you see come out of him in interviews and whatnot. And so, yeah, Louisville, like you, we've already mentioned, unique circumstances there. Notre Dame, you've got the connection with Kay and Bray. And then, of course, you've got, you know, our our game at UNC. Yep. And so a really fun week of basketball coming up. Wendell Moore, by the way, um, in my opinion, the key. Second half, Clemson game comes out and plays well. When Wendell plays well, everybody else plays well. And these three games coming up, this is when your leader, your junior leader, team captain, um, and we gotta, we've got to have 100% Wendell Moore uh, to, to get where we need to go. And all three games coming on the road away from Cameron Indoor Stadium for Duke. There are just four games left to be played inside Cameron Indoor Stadium for Mike Krzyzewski as the head coach of Duke men's basketball. Crazy to put it in that perspective. Yeah, Duke fans, uh, number one, if you've not been able to get to a game and you live locally, do what you've got to do to get to a game. I've, I've made that a point this year. I go to games periodically, but this year I made it a point to go to nearly every time I've found tickets available, I've gone. Um, and so I would, I would encourage you to get there. And then if you go to games and you've been going to games or whatnot, you know, take some time. The last game I went to I, uh, this past Saturday, I just stood there after the final buzzer and just watched everything and just, you know, just soaked it in for a yeah. little bit. Um, and, you know, you'll, we'll never be, we will never experience anything like this. Um, and so, yeah, uh, kudos to uh, the legacy that Mike Krzyzewski, you know, has created. But, yeah, get to Cameron uh, or, or, you know, make plans if you live in the Northeast, get to the ACC tournament. You know, whatever it may be, uh, get to a game. You definitely want to see Coach K coaching in this final season. So much fun. All right, Josh Cox joining us here today. Give me one final plug for the Section 17 podcast today. Oh, yeah, Section 17 podcast. We are recording the uh, first uh, episode of our third season uh, coming up here in the next few days. Uh, if you can find, well, you can find us on Twitter at Duke FB Talk. Uh, you can find us on any podcasting network by just searching Section 17 Podcast. We're on Facebook as well, just searching Duke Football Talk. Uh, but we're looking forward to bringing you detailed content 
on the Duke football program. Mike Elko is already turning the tide, just landed his first recruit. Uh, we've got the coaching staff fully in place now with the defensive line coach uh, finally uh, seeming uh, not official yet from, from Duke, but seeming seemingly there is going to be named the former Miami guy. So we're looking forward to that. And so we're going to bring you every bit of detailed coverage. Spring game has been announced. Um, so we're, we're all in. So go check us out, guys. The new episode uh, will drop we'll here within the next 10 days or so. It's Josh Cox joining us on the program. He's on Twitter at Joshua Cox. And again, check out Duke FB Talk on Twitter as well. That wraps up our show here today. Coming up tomorrow, a fun conversation with Steve Wiseman from the Raleigh News and Observer stopping back by Locked on Blue Devils. For Josh Cox, I'm JJ Jackson. Check us out online at LO underscore Blue Devils on Twitter. And be sure to follow and subscribe to this podcast wherever you get them. That does it for today's show. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you, and Good day.